away with anything because David couldn't build the, the temple. Obviously, there was, a, there was a price to pay for his sin. But we're not God. And uh, we're, we're not, we, we don't know all the things that God, obviously, all the things that God knows. And praying for Hot Rod uh, and his family, uh, as most of you know, Hot Rod was in a horrific accident that should have taken his life. It should have taken his life. And uh, God spared Hot Rod's life. And I just, in questioning God, I said, God, you spared Hot Rod's life. You honored prayer. You answered prayer. Uh, but why didn't you spare Angel's life? And if I've ever felt an impression in Hot Rod, I know you can relate to this. I felt like the Lord say, Hot Rod was not ready to die. Hot Rod was not ready to die. And the enemy tried to take Hot Rod, and uh, God said no. And then as, as I look at the life of Angel, and I, I say, well, Lord, this is a father, this is a husband, our youth pastor. Uh, what is so important in heaven that you would take Angel from us and let us walk through where we're walking. Uh, what, what, is so, what is Angel doing that's so important? And uh, Billy Burke brought me to Deuteronomy 29 and 29, and I just want to share, if I may, that, that particular passage and a revelation for you today. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belongs to us. And to our children forever that we may do all the works of this book. The secret things of the Lord belong to God. The revealed things belong to us. And there I have learned there are, there are two plans. There are two patterns. There are two paths. There are the things that are revealed to us through the word of God that we walk through and we acquire and we pursue and then there's the secret things, the plan of God. And as we try to define eternity, and I thought of so many different ways to define eternity this morning, and I have to go back to the, the, um, the analogy that I made several years ago and probably will continue to make. But when you think about life and you think about the 70 years that we are promised and you think about to live to be 90 or 94, we think that is just phenomenal and incredible. But then we look at eternity. God is eternal. And we try to look at the eternal things of God. And we try to put a, 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 a span on eternity. I'm reminded of the little hummingbird picking up a grain of sand off the coast of California and flying to Florida with that little grain of sand, traveling at the speed that hummingbirds travel at, which is not very fast. And that hummingbird to deposit that grain of sand on the coast of Florida and then for that hummingbird to go back to the coast of California, making that journey across the 20-some-odd states, picking up another grain of sand and flying back to Florida and depositing that, that grain of sand on the beaches of Florida. By the time that little hummingbird had picked up every single grain of sand off the coast of California and deposited all that sand, the millions of years it would take to make that journey, to complete that project, that would be the first second of eternity. That's how long forever is. And that's how long we're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. That's how long we're going to be a part of God's plan and God's purpose. And so we are overwhelmed by the importance of angels' role in heaven. And uh, it just reminds us that there are things that we're pressing towards or things that we're wanting to accomplish, things that we're wanting to see. 
I posted something on um, Facebook this morning, and if you'll give me just a minute, I'll try to pull it up. This is what I posted on Facebook this morning and kind of goes along with the things that we've been thinking about and uh, focusing on. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair, a murderer. Noah was a drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Mary Magdalene was a hooker. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was short. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And the importance that you need to realize today that you are important in the things of God and things that are transpiring and taking place. And we're going to look at some definitions this morning, not because you don't know them, but because we're walking in them. Uh, I love Waters World. I don't know if you've ever seen on Fox News the guy. He is so cool. And he interviews people and he asks the craziest questions. And yesterday he asked over a dozen people, just, just people on sidewalk. I think he was in New York. But he said, what does the Declaration of Independence mean? What is the Declaration of Independence? And almost without exception, every single person said, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what the Declaration of Independence. Well, let's hope that we, God's people, we, God's church, know more about the purpose and plan of God than to simply say, I don't know. God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And a little later, I'm going to give... A, a definition of destiny that I found in in um, in my in my research, but when I think about destiny and purpose and plan, I think about the drawbacks and the snags. And the title of my thought this morning, and I'm I may stay here um, for a little while, but I just want to talk about detours, distractions, and dead ends. Detours, distractions, and dead ends. Uh, one of my um, um, favorite movies we were talking last night about our favorite movies of all time and certainly secondhand lion would be one of those blast from the past would be the other and the book of eli i just love the book of eli but uh, in 1938 when uh, the wizard of oz was produced and and shown in black and white it was a story about a name girl named dorothy that had a had a challenge with one of her teachers at school uh, she went to sleep we don't know if the wizard of oz we don't know if that was a dream or that something that really happened. But uh, Dorothy found herself a long way from home and found the only way that she could get home was to go to the land of Oz and consult with the wizard. And we all know the story about the yellow brick road and they were traveling the yellow brick road. And in their travels, they came up with a scenario that I think many of us come up with. I think a lot of times we give the enemy too much credit, too much authority, too much power, and I think we have a tendency to feel like we're going to go through things that we will never go through, we will never encounter, it will never happen. It just creates worry. And as you know, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do but never gets you anywhere. But somewhere in that movie, they all got scared and they started chanting, lions, tigers, and bears, lions, tigers, and bears. You remember the story. But in their journey, they never encountered a lion they never encountered a tiger, and they never encountered a bear. 
the lion had no courage, the scarecrow had no brains, and the tin man had no heart. And when they got to the land of Oz, the wizard gave the scarecrow some brains, gave the tin man a heart, gave the lion some courage, but couldn't really help Dorothy, kind of like Humpty Dumpty. He really couldn't help Dorothy. There was, no, there was no way that he could solve her problem. But most of you know the story. Dorothy came home, but not without a revelation. And because many of us today are struggling in one area of another, uh, whatever that area may be, we all struggle. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. And the song says, through many dangers, toils, and snares. Isn't that ironic how that rhymes with lions, tigers, and bears? Through many dangers, serving the Lord is dangerous. I spoke this week with a young man that had uh, been in the world, but committed his heart to God, and then went back in the world, and all kinds of bad things started happening. This is my personal, this is my personal belief. As long as you're walking in the world, the enemy could give a flip about what you're doing. He doesn't have to pressure you. He's already got you. You're already caught. You're already snared. You're already there. But the moment you make a stand and you make a declaration and you make a decision to serve God, I believe, I believe that two things happen. I believe that God marks you with that hedge of protection, and I believe the enemy puts a, a target on your back and tries his best to take you out. And when you stumble and when you fall, sometimes it seems like the attack of the enemy is overwhelming because the enemy is afraid of you. I said the enemy is afraid of you. When I read that list of all of those that had bumps in the road, as we all have had bumps in the road, as all of God's warriors in my, in my text that I sent out this week, all of those warriors had something in their life they had to overcome but yet we know when God called them, Josh, it was out without repentance. God was not sorry. He called you, and when he called you, he knew there would be a bump in the road. He knew there would be a struggle. He knew there would be a storm. He knew there would be a scenario that you would find yourself overwhelmed, and you'd find yourself in an, in, in an area of where you felt lost. But I believe that when you give your heart to God and you commit to the things of God, I believe it intimidates the enemy to such a degree that if he can call you to fall, he will continue to come on with the onslaught of all the things he's ever used against you in the past. He'll try to revisit your future with that and try to take you out. So remember, when you serve God, it's not an easy thing. It's the, you know, the, step, the steps to the righteous, there are bad things that happen to God's people. And as we look at the chapter in, in, in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the faith chapter, Half the chapter, we find great things happening to those great men and women of God who, again, all have bumps in the road. Then we find the other half of the chapter where they're tortured, where they're manipulated, where they're wounded, while they're wandering about in dens and caves of the earth. So there seems to be a, a portion of God's people that walk in favor and blessing and miracles. And then there seems to be a portion that goes through storms and goes through trouble. And I believe the only reason God allows us to go through these storms and troubles is because he knows we can handle it. He knows we can handle When When Mish had her near-death experience, God knew that she could handle it, brought her back. I uh, shared her testimony. And Courtney shared her testimony on Facebook. And there's rarely a day goes by that I don't share the testimony of when Marcus and Joni met us at J. Alexander's a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Joni had lost her brother at the very same day that Mark, that uh, angel went to heaven, and we were talking back and forth, the plan of God, the purpose of God, the things of God. And Joni said, well, Hank, how at the end of the day, where are you with all this? And I said, at the end of the day, I have one option, and that's trust. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. And so we're seeing this, this journey that we're on, the place that God wants us to walk. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. David said, thy lamp is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And so we know there is a, there is a yellow brick road. We are, we are headed towards Oz, and one day we will meet the wizard. But he's not a little green man. It's Jesus Christ, and we're going to meet him, and we're going to lay our crowns at his feet, and we're going to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And every challenge, everything that we've come against, we're going to be rewarded because we prevail. Look at somebody say, because we prevail. When you stand before God in reflection, you need to know how God sees you. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are justified by faith. When you think of the word justification, uh, I heard Marcus teach several years ago this thought, and he took the word justification, and he made it to say, just as if I had never sinned. When God looks down upon you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your weaknesses. When God looks down upon you, he sees the covering of the blood that his son shed so that you can walk in anointing and authority and purity. And regardless of your past, I don't care if you're a Satanist and you're involved in the sacrifices. I don't care how far you're out there. You could be a bootlegger. If you don't know what that is, the guy that, and there are still bootleggers in Tennessee, and Tennessee, by the way. And how about that Tennessee one yesterday? As did the Bulldogs, go Bulldogs. I know Angel probably had something to do with that. But as we walk this path and as we, we pursue this journey, we realize that God is in control. And we sometimes are very quick to remind ourselves of our failures Remind ourselves of our bad decisions. Remind ourselves of, this, of the things that we have done. And the enemy usually, really tries to use guilt and condemnation. But Romans says, there is therefore now no condemnation who walk after the Spirit. And that's the God, the God that promised us today. So when you realize God looks down upon you, he does not see the mistakes of yesterday. He doesn't see the failures. He understands all that. He sees you clean and whole and pure and anointed and sanctified. I want to use that word sanctified, the second definition. The word sanctify, uh, there was an old medical term concerning instruments of surgery. And before the surgeon would perform the surgery, he would ask the nurses or the helpers to sanctify the instruments. And what that meant is that they would take the instruments and they would submerge them in alcohol. And that alcohol cleansed that, those instruments, dealt with the germs, dealt with the, and prepared those instruments for the surgeon's use. And that's exactly where we are. If you go with me, I believe, to Psalm 51. I don't have it marked, so it may take me a moment here to find it. This chapter is written by David. It's written after he was somewhere he shouldn't have been. Uh, David should have been at war. He was not at war. He sent Joab, the captain of his army, to go. David should have been leading. He was, he, he was not where he should have been. Uh, he probably was depressed. Usually people that stay up late at night are dealing with, with things that, that they're depressed about. In his depression, 
He saw a young lady that belonged to somebody else. He was overwhelmed by lust. He pursued. He brought the young lady into his house. He slept with her and got her pregnant. Uh, when he realized that she was pregnant, he called for her husband, who was in battle, to return to Jerusalem for direction. The, uh, David was hoping the young man would go home and sleep with his wife and therefore, therefore justify the uh, pregnancy. But uh, this was such an incredible man. He said, if my fellow soldiers cannot be at home in bed with their wife, then I will not either. And he laid down over the steps of David's home. There he spent the night. When David realized he did not go home, David sent a message to the captain and said, take this man into the front of the battle and leave him. And there David placed him in a, a horrific situation and then abandoned him, and he lost his life. And we know the story that David then married uh, the young lady. Uh, she got pregnant again, and uh, the baby lived for eight days, and the baby died. It's in, this, it's in this setting that David has written this particular passage of Scripture. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before thee against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judge. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin. My mother did conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, the hidden part thou shalt make me know wisdom. Here's the scripture I was looking for. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. If there was ever a man that could live in condemnation and failure and shame, it was David. Called to do great things by God, he killed Goliath. He fought the enemy for years and years. He took 400 men and turned them into champions, into warriors, where one warrior killed a 1,000 soldiers in one day. He was a great leader. He was a great king. He did great things, but he dropped the ball. And David could have, as there have been others, lived the rest of their life in shame and failure and mixed feelings. David went to God and said, God, I have dropped the ball. I failed. I have messed up. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me clean. Give me a brand new chance. And God did exactly that with David. He's no respecter of persons. If he did it for David, he does it for me. He does it for you. He does it for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I think about detours, I think about uh, I can, if I desire, I can go just about a half a mile, and I can get on Interstate 75 South. And if I stay on Interstate 75 South when just within just a few miles, 30 miles, I'll be in the state of Georgia. And then about 353 miles, I'll be in the state of Florida. And then about 400 miles later, I will wind up. In, in the Keys, in the Florida Keys. I can do all of that by getting on Interstate 75 and staying on it. However, I can, if I want to, get off the exit at Cartersville and go to Lake Alatoona. I can get off the exit in Atlanta and go to the stadium. I can get off at Macon and go to the State Fair. I can get off Valdosta and be a part of a bed and breakfast. I can go to the Turnpike and head towards Disney World. I can get off Tampa and observe the bay. And I can get off at Naples, one of the greatest restaurants I've ever eaten. Or I can stay on 75 and make it all the way to the Keys. And that's where we're at. Many times in life, if we're not careful, we will be detoured. 
from our purpose, detoured from our destiny, detoured from our plans. You know, there's so many different detours and so many different areas of life that it's easy to get messed up. And I'll, I'll share this story and share it carefully because many of you are smart. It, it affects nobody in this state. But um, in a church that I am the spiritual father and the elder of, there was a very sharp couple in that church. I loved them very much. They're very much involved in the pastor's ministry. And they were armor bearers, and they were, they were the cream of the crop. They were incredible. But they got into some teaching, and the teaching, and I, I, I honored the Sabbath. I am not a Jew, so I don't honor the Sabbath the way the Jews honor the Sabbath. That's not what God required me and called me to do. I honor the feasts, but I do not partake of them because I'm a vine grafted into the Jewish vine through the seed of Abraham, and I'm a Gentile bought by blood, a part of the family of God. I am not the wife of God. I'm, I'm not the wife of God. I'm the daughter of God, and I'm about to marry the son of God. Do I have a friend in the house that can relate to that? So we have Jews and we have Gentiles. You are not a Jew. You're not required to, to honor the feast. You're not required to honor the Sabbath. You're not, you're not, we acknowledge them as far because they're in God's word, but that's not the way we roll because Jesus did a new thing at Calvary and it did away with the law and now we operate in grace. But this precious couple got into some teaching and this teaching led them away from the church, away from leadership. I believe away from their destiny, away from their purpose. And now five years later, they're still struggling in that, trying to convince everybody they're right. I've learned a long time ago, if you spend most of your life trying to convince everybody you're right, you're probably wrong. And that's just a thought. That's the detour that, that we can get off on. So be careful that your, your steps are sure. Be careful you're on the path that God called you on. Don't take on something that God's not called you to take on, but stay on this path. Stay on this way of holiness because the Bible says on this path, there'll be no lion no right and no 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 beast that would devour you but it's a highway called holiness and it's a path that we walk stay on that path when i think of distractions and i am a big um i love this there's a new there's a new program called the seals i like that there's a program called brave i like that uh 24 i like that i like i like all of those kind of kind of war stories and war scenes because Whenever they get ready to accomplish anything, they usually create a distraction. And what they'll do is they might be headed to a certain building, but they'll cause an explosion in another part of the area. So all the focus of the enemy is focused towards that distraction. And then they will go around and covertly they will do what they had purpose and what they had planned. It is so easy in life to be distracted. It's so easy in life to be detained. It's so easy in life to get off the path. And, and a, lot of, a lot of times we think we're doing the right thing. We think we're saying the right thing and, and, and at the right place to realize that we, we, are, we are not. Did anybody relate or comprehend? There's, there's just things that, you know, the Word of God is very clear. It's very focused. It's very transparent. And the Lord doesn't want us getting all messed up or all distracted about somebody else. And I, years ago, we had people that were distracted because we had long hair. We had people distracted because the women, the women speak in this church. I know that's crazy, but they're out there. And there's a big dissertation. Of how can God use women preachers when God said for the woman to be silent? 
And uh, as of, uh, I believe, later this month, Pastor Rhonda will touch 197 countries of the world. She will be a guest on Daystar and on the Joni Show, and she will minister. And God certainly has a place for women in ministry in the last days. If you don't believe me, listen to Joyce Meyer or listen to Beth Moore or listen to Marilyn Hickey. You'll hear more truth, more revelation coming from those three women, from Pastor Rhonda, than a lot of what we call the mega evangelists and the mega ministries in the nation and in the world. Don't get distracted from the prize. Paul said, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God through Christ Jesus. There is a reward. There's a purpose. There's a plan. There's something that God has for you. And some of those distractions can be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a job, a hobby, an addiction. I shared this with Pastor Billy yesterday. I'll share it with you today. I believe the Lord has given this to me. He said, where did you get that? I said, well, there's nothing new under the sun. So I'm sure I've heard it somewhere, but this is what I feel like God has given me concerning addiction. Are you ready? Unless it's immoral or illegal, an addiction is not a sin. Addiction is not a disease. Addiction is a willful thought of the mind that says, in, in drugs, I like getting high. I want to get high. I'll do everything I can today to get the money or get the drugs to get high. That's a mindset. That's not a sin. Addiction to shopping, addiction to soap operas, those things are not sins. So a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll get snagged. Maybe we're dealing with cigarettes or maybe we're dealing with whatever we're dealing with. A lot of times, the enemy will try to beat us up in condemnation and say, well, how could God ever use you? You smoke. How could God ever use you? You're doing this. How could God ever use you? You're, you're the shopping channel. You buy everything on there. You spend money you don't have to go places you don't like to hang with people you can't stand. Boy, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? So addiction, unless it's illegal or immoral, is not a sin. So quit judging yourselves because God is not judging you. Quit disqualifying yourself because God is not disqualifying you. The promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. And then I looked at dead ends. Several years ago, if I was scheduled to be, this is probably about 30, 30, let's see, Courtney was born. So this has been almost 30 years ago. Uh, I had a meeting in Chrisfield, Maryland. I don't know if you know where Chrisfield, Maryland is at, but it's on the eastern shore. Uh, it's one of the major crab cities of the world. Crabs come in there by the millions, and I happened to be there that week the crabs came in. It was pretty cool. But anyway, that Saturday, I figured I would spend the morning uh, with Courtney and Pastor Rhonda. Courtney was, I think, just starting to learn how to walk. And then I got my car, and I said, well, I'm going to head to uh, Chrisville Saturday, get in Saturday and spend, spend the night and preach Sunday through Wednesday. Well, I got, on the, I got on the freeway, and I'm headed towards Maryland. And somewhere in Virginia on the map, it looked like there was a bridge across from, from, from Virginia to uh, Maryland. And I said, well, I'll just get on that bridge and drive across the bridge and get to where I'm going. So I couldn't find the bridge. So I stopped at a gas station, and I told the guy, I said, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get to Chrisville, Maryland. I said, uh, I've missed my turn somewhere. And he looked at me and said, you can't get there from here. I said, excuse me? He said, no, you can't get there from here. You've got to go all the way up to Washington, D.C., then all the way back. I said, you've got to be kidding. 
But wrong information, dead end. It was a dead end. That was not where I wanted to go. That was not where I wanted to be. Long story short, I drove all night long. Got there Sunday morning about 6 a.m., trash, wore out, went to the pulpit. God helped me. God blessed me. But I, in, the, in the future, I started looking at the map a little bit more closely to make sure that I wasn't on a dead end. And uh, there's a new game on Facebook. There'll be a spigot, and there'll be like a pyramid, layers, and have numbers, and it, it'll say which glass gets filled first. And, uh, you know, you make your decision, and then somebody will come, come back and respond, no, seven, seven's blocked off. Then you look at it, you're right, seven doesn't flow, it's blocked off. And that's what dead ends are all about. They never get you where you want to be. They never do what you want to do. And so don't get hung up in a dead end. Don't get, don't get frustrated by the cares of life that you just throw up the towel and say, I can't make it. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you because you have a destiny. I want to read this morning a definition from, this is uh, uh, Tony Evans' new book called Detours. It's an excellent book. Uh, Pastor Rhonda said it was excellent. That's why I said it was excellent. Uh, I made it to the first 10 pages. I intend to go a little deeper in this book. But he has a definition of the word destiny that I want to leave with you in closing this morning. Here it is. Destiny is the customized life calling for which God has equipped and ordained us in order to bring him the greatest glory and the maximum expansion of his kingdom. Every believer must understand first and foremost that his or her premier destiny is to glorify God and make his name known. And that's from Isaiah 45. Destiny always starts there. It always involves bringing glory to God somehow. It begins with the place of God integrated in our hearts in such a way that people come into contact with him. Watch this. Through our words, our spirit, our emotions, or actions. Let me read this again. It begins with the place of God integrating in our lives in such a way that people come into contact with him through our words, our spirit, our emotions, or actions. If you want to find your destiny, find God. After all, he is the author of it. And we're not talking about finding God as if he was lost. But we're talking about finding God in an intimate relationship, conversation, focus, serving that you know the heart of God, you know the purpose of God, you know the plan of God, and you pursue that. Beware of detours, beware of distractions, beware of dead ends. Stay focused, hear from the Lord, surround yourself with people that hear from the Lord that can encourage you, and then keep your eyes wide open as you leave this week and wonder, where is God going to use me next? Is it going to be at car wash? Is it going to be at Walmart? Is it going to be, you know, so funny. There's so many crazy photos of people, the stuff they wear at Walmart. It's utterly disgusting and distasteful, and it freaks me out. Some of them, I, you don't want your mind to go there. I don't want that image in my mind. But, you know, when you go to Walmart, you're clothed with the garment of praise. You have the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. You're armored. You're ready to take on any entity and any door the Lord will open at Walmart, step through it. Just try not to spend all your tithe money. And there you have it. Don't we love the Lord today? Aren't we?